Hey, this is Ali Ballas, and I am a victim of the 2020 lockdown. All joking aside, I just want to hang, and I've heard a lot of people saying the same, and sometimes with people who I don't even know. And as we've come to realize, that is not okay during a pandemic. Even though we can't meet in person, doesn't mean we can't get outside of our bubble. This is about learning new things, stepping outside, and all while staying home. Just because we can't hang, there still can't hang. This week on Can't Hang, I hang with Keisha Greaves, an entrepreneur from the Boston area who was diagnosed in her 20s with limb girdle muscular dystrophy. Keisha and I chat about the verbiage around disability, the ways her life and mindset have changed, and her new line of adaptive swimwear coming this spring. I loved hanging with Keisha because she has so much valuable information to share, and she's so gracious in the way that she educates others, specifically able-bodied people like myself, about things they may not realize. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Keisha Greaves. This week, I'm so excited to have Keisha on. Uh, So welcome, Keisha. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So although like I'm aware of your story, obviously from researching you for this episode and, and following you for a bit now, can you tell some of the listeners today about your journey and about your diagnosis a little bit? I'm sure. So, um, yeah, as Aaliyah mentioned, I am Keisha and I currently live with limb girdle muscular dystrophy. I am from Cambridge, Massachusetts. And a little bit about my story is that I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy actually in my early 20s. So it wasn't even something I was born with or, you know, I don't know to this day if it was something in the body and it came on later. These things are so crazy. Yeah, listeners probably must know. So, yeah, it all started when I was in my early 20s. I was actually in graduate school receiving my master's degree. And I just started to get really weird symptoms in my body where I would just be walking and my leg would kind of just give out on me, like buckle without any warning. And boom, I would just fall to the floor. And it happened a few times, but I was just thinking, oh, maybe I need to lose some weight, you know, maybe exercise, keep it active. No big deal. I was kind of brushing it off. But the last time um, was the final straw was then when me and my mom and sister were leaving the supermarket, I'm pushing the cart and my leg gives out. Boom. I fall to the floor. And when I fall, it was like it was it was like a dead weight. It wasn't like I was able to get myself back up. It was like pretty much a dead weight. Like my mom and sister couldn't even get me up at that time. I believe it was like a stranger who came over to help. So he got me up and my mom was like, you know, maybe we need to go see a orthopedic. Maybe it's something in the feet. I'm like, okay. We go to Tufts Medical Hospital, um, regular examination, two doctors come in, I'm lying on the bed. They asked me to raise my right leg. The right leg would not extend out as it should, as like a normal able body. Stay with the left. And that was the first time I noticed that myself. And then they both kind of looked at each other like puzzled, like, um, I think you need to see a neurologist. So I'm like, all right, la-di-da, still not really thinking anything of it. So we go see a neurologist out here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I live. And I still see this neurologist to this day. So grateful for her, Catherine Wang. And so we kind of go straight to it. I go do MRI, EKG, um, muscle biopsy, with, which was the most interesting of all, where they took a piece of muscle from out of my right leg. And then from that muscle biopsy, that's when they determined I had muscular dystrophy. So I wow. remember that phone call. Like she called and was like, you have muscular dystrophy. And I'm like... 
um, what, you know, what is that? You know, cause it's like, I never, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, you know, she had to call the wrong person. Like she can't be talking about me. Like what is muscular dystrophy? So I totally shut down. And then like most of us, the first thing I do is go to Google and start researching what is muscular dystrophy. Which is always such a bad idea in the long <laughs> term. So yeah, it was like all started from then, but I totally shut down and I became in total denial. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. With that being said, at such a young age, like finding that out, that's like sort of similar to my age right now. Um, like I, you're right. I wouldn't be able to even like comprehend, like I would also turn to Google. That must've been just so insane. So can you give a quick description for those who aren't aware of muscular dystrophy, kind of what, what you're going through? I'm sure. So muscular dystrophy is a muscle disease that affects, you know, pretty much your whole entire body where it affects the muscles, where they eventually start to deteriorate and they progress, you know, over time where it prevents someone to say walk, which is kind of hard for me now. Like I can't walk up and down the stairs. I can mostly walk like from my bedroom to the bathroom when I'm about to go in the shower. But yeah, it definitely progresses because when I was first diagnosed, I was still able to drive. And yeah, you can kind of see I walk with like a little limp. Like I say, I would, I would walk like a penguin. And so, you know, I kind of, you know, you can totally see, yes, yeah, something might be off, but still looking at me, you would never know. So, yeah, it definitely has progressed over time. I am now in a wheelchair. But as I said, I, I'm able to walk just a little bit, but I feel more safer in my wheelchair. And there's so many different types of muscular dystrophy. My type specifically is called limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So limb girdle pretty much affects pretty much the limb all the way down to my feet. And then once it goes into limb girdle, it goes into so many different variants of subtype, like limb girdle 2A, limb girdle 2B. And so, for instance, for myself, I do not know my subtype. My subtype to this day is unknown. So my neurologist to this day calls me like a mystery because we have taken (laughs) testing like saliva, blood work, and they all have came back unknown. So but there are other people out there like me. So I must say I'm not alone. There's like a support group of people that it's called limb girdle muscular dystrophy unknown. So it's not just me. So I feel like one day eventually I will know my subtype, but until I know my subtype and because I do not know it, I am unable to enter any clinical trials at the moment. So that part kind of sucks, but I must say, I don't even think there's much clinical trials going on right now. So I'm just kind of like, it is what it is, but you know, it's kind of something that's out of our hands, something we cannot control each day I wake up. I don't know what the body's going to feel like, if I'm going to be able to get out the bed, my energy level, you know, if I'm going to have a fall, sometimes my body still move, you know, loses its balance from transferring from the wheelchair to the toilet seat. So it definitely, you know, has, I still have my days regardless. Yes. You know, I am at a better place now than I was a few years ago. Cause like I said, I was in total denial, even going on job interviews when I used to use a cane, I would tell them I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident. So that's how much, you know, because me saying muscular dystrophy out loud, it just made it seem too real. So I said everything mm-hmm. but, but, um, you know, I'm, you know, just taking it day by day and happy to be an advocate for the disability community, especially for muscular dystrophy. And, and yeah, but it, it was totally a shock. Yeah, you're so, I feel like on the outside, like looking in, you're so positive, but of course, like I'm someone who's very control-based and I'm glad you kind of brought this mindset idea up because I'm very like, I love to have control and like, I am like very type A in that sense. And I don't know if you're the same, but having to kind of relinquish control would be a huge player in my mindset. So how does, like, how does this impact your mindset when you wake up and you just don't know how your body's going to perform that day? Can this 
impact your mindset if that's fair to ask oh yeah sure I mean it totally does and it's like mental health is real you know when I wake up it's kind of like all right if I have like a zoom meetings or you know I look forward to talking to people like you on podcast that you know keeps me you know excited because I'm like oh I have this interview today or knowing I'm going to get up and focus on my business girls chronically rock like that keeps me motivated and going yes that doesn't also mean like just because my mindset meal might be okay like the body may not you know so yeah I'm like oh yeah I'm ready to get up but you know I just try to take my time and it's like when I just get out the bed and able to get up and train on my back it's like I tell people even my PCAs know it's like it feels so good I'm like oh just to stretch my back and then just to go from the bedroom to the bathroom to get in the shower it's like oh I made it you know because I tell people when I come out from the shower it's like I just finished running the Boston Marathon it's exhausting and then people don't understand to get dressed it's like that's another exhaustion itself so yes although the mindset may be there the body may be not but yes it's awesome when both things are aligned when the body yes wants to you know go with the mind and so it, it definitely varies you know but I just try to wake up positive especially if I had a good night's sleep and I wake up early than expected well I'm ready to conquer the day but like I said that that it could totally it's like you never know just taking victories, small or big, like, you know, just taking them and, and celebrating them as a victory, um, I think would be so important, especially uh, on a different scale, I guess, like in pandemic life, like taking any grasp of victory um, right now for the average person is just so important. So I think that's something that you, you yourself really embody um, in your journey and your day to day. Yeah, for definitely. sure. Yeah, so I guess I I was preparing for this interview and I was watching some of your videos and listening to some of your podcasts and um, one that kind of stuck out to me, it wasn't your specific podcast, but it was on the Papaya podcast, which is oh, yeah. one of my favorite episodes of, of hers to date. And she's got some great ones, but I, I really loved yours. Um, you spoke about the way that different people speak about their disabilities or, for example, the difference of verbiage between disabled people, people with disabilities, so as, you know, to center humanity first, differently abled. There's all these terminologies. So uh, I guess I'm asking, how do you speak about your illness? Like, what is the verbiage that you like to use? Um, yeah, that's a good question, because as I tell people, I feel like I am still learning each and every day, you know, being a part of the disability community, whereas, you know, I was only diagnosed in my early 20s. So I tell people I feel like I kind of live both worlds. So it's like I can see both sides. But yeah, for me, you know, I totally say, yes, I have a disability slash sometimes I say chronic illness whereas I see some people um in the disability um, community that I follow on social media they're like don't say that not like to me specifically but they say it like on their own like people have said it to them and they're like ah don't use that word I don't have a chronic illness and I'm not an inspiration that's another thing people don't like and it's like wow you know because that's really opened my eyes and I'm like that's so interesting because you know I don't mind personally for me saying chronic chronic illness because I that's something I that's how I describe myself disability and I don't mind when people say oh yeah inspiration because I get where they're coming from but then I also understand where my people are coming from too in the disability community Mm -hmm. I get it and these are people who have been dealing with this from the time they were born so it's like you know I like I feel like I'm learning from them each and every day on what you know some people like and some people don't like for me personally I do not like when people use the word um cripple and what's the other one? I believe, I think it was the other term someone else said. And I was like, 
I forget, but definitely cripple. I do not like for sure. Cause I just feel like, <clears throat> why, why even say it? What is that? Even, wait, what are you even saying? What is that? Yeah. Everything else that's just for me personally, but you know, each day I'm realizing, you know, they're like, don't say that. And they post on their social media. And I'm like, wow. Like who would have thought that some of them do not like when people say inspiration? I'm like, Oh, that I get it. You know what I mean? I can't even mm-hmm. say, Oh yeah. Why don't you like embrace it? It's like, I get it. And to me, we were all entitled to feel how we feel and want to express ourselves as we do is, you know, using the correct term. If you don't like the way someone's saying something, that's our job to correct them because they don't know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this is such a space that has been become so important. Um, and I think it's kind of been a little bit led by the use of like, uh, like gender pronouns recently and, and like yes. calling people what they want to be called. Like you don't get to say like what someone wants to be called or how someone wants to be described. So I think that that those two movements kind of can come in conjunction with each other. Uh, I, and I think that's powerful for both of them to kind of piggyback on each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If that makes sense at all. Yeah, um, how have you been able to connect with those in the disability community and like how I've heard you speak about it before but how powerful is it to connect with someone who can really understand what you're going through of course your parents and and friends and family stuff like that they can they can understand and they can be sympathetic but how powerful is it to have someone that really can deeply understand from a first person perspective um yeah for sure um like I always say yes I get the support of family and friends it is awesome I am so grateful for my family without them it's like I don't even know where it would be to this day but of course yes they could they're passionate they understand they understand how going to restaurants how things need to be accessible traveling make sure the hotel room is wheelchair accessible so it's like I kind of feel like we are all kind of learning together if that makes sense but um yeah there's nothing I always say nothing like talking to somebody who gets it or knows what you're dealing with you know and so when I started coming out of denial you know what I would do is use different hashtags you know thank goodness for social media and hashtags to this day I say like hashtag muscular dystrophy hashtag disability awareness hashtag chronic illness and just using those hashtags it's like it brought me a whole new range of other people other people that have muscular dystrophy that have lupus ms all these different um disabilities that I honestly never heard of and it just Mm -hmm. feel good because I'm like they get it they, they know what it's like getting up and, you know, not knowing what the body's going to feel like, feeling tired and, you know, having falls and the body feeling fatigue and just like being in that denial phase and not knowing what your future holds. It's like they get it. So I love talking to, you know, people in the disability community because we understand each other. We get it. Only us are living with this. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, like we all have that support and family and friends. And yes, it's we can talk with them. But like I say, there's nothing and I mean nothing like talking to somebody that understands what you're going through on a daily basis. I make sure to like say that all the time. I'm like, you know, they get it. You don't get it. You know my community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's so hard because obviously people that love you and care for you, they want to get it. But it's just like no matter how much you care about the person and that you love the person like you you don't and like that's something that you can't really put on to yourself or pretend to understand and and it's just a whole different way of understanding the person um so I think that that's really important and it doesn't mean that people care don't care about you or whatever but they just they haven't walked in your shoes and like I say too it's like I get it too because like look at how before I was diagnosed I didn't know wasn't thinking about like oh yeah is this place wheelchair accessible going to the store and do they have the handicap button to open the door and all these different things so it's like I totally get it and it's like now I feel like this is my path my platform now to bring you know bring awareness about it 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad you bring that up because this is something that I've been become like vastly aware of uh, in university uh, because our school kind of got blasted for not being accessible. And I kind of oh. was like, I think it's pretty accessible. Like as like an able-bodied person, I was like, oh, I don't see the problem with it. But then I was in this class actually. And it, uh, let me tell you, it was a philosophy class. So this might be like more complicated <laughs> than it needs to be. But, but it was about ethics and morals. And it was about these like barriers to accessibility. So it, we kind of learned, and this is something that still, it's four or five years later, uh, right now that I learned this um and it was the idea that the world was built with barriers and that all we're doing now is like removing them as opposed to the thing that some people most people actually see is that we're adding additional measures to help people be more accessible if this makes sense I feel like I'm I'm talking in a very abstract way right now but yeah I feel like sometimes I'm like oh am I even saying this properly but but actually like from foundations like it was built with barriers now we're just like taking the barriers away as opposed to like making band-aids for them so have you have you heard of this concept am I making this up and like how do you think businesses or people could be do a better job at being like more accessible making spaces and places more accessible I would say hey do your research you know what I mean this is something that it needs to be done it's like in order for us to all come together as a community be inclusive it's like do your research next after do your research maybe talk to somebody that has a disability someone that has been living with this like forever and in a wheelchair and can maybe go into more depth of like yes this you need a handicap um ramp here how do you expect this person to get in you know for this event make sure like the door has like the button so you know you can press because there have been so many places I have gone to surprisingly and including hospitals where they don't have that button and I'm like okay so how do I get in in the wheelchair so things like mm-hmm. that really have me puzzled so it's like it's good to you know, involve people in the disability community that are living with the wheelchair, not just with the wheelchair, like it could be because even before I got into a wheelchair, just using my cane, you know, I still struggle to get in the doors, the doors might be too heavy and all of that stuff. So, you know, do your research, find out what having an accessible place university home means and then get people in the disability community involved because don't go to an able-bodied person like, oh, how can I make this accessible? They don't know. You know, mm-hmm. like ask somebody in the disability community. So do your research and get people in the disability involved. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And like just getting like so many more people involved in decision making processes is something that I think is hopefully making the turn in society. But, but I don't know. I think there's so work to be done for sure is like getting all those perspectives in there and, and making decisions based on a variety of perspectives, as you say getting people that actually know the problems and know what needs to be done and know the solutions um, and getting their say in, I think is just so overlooked. Um, You know, I don't know if it's an ego thing or what for people like planning these spaces or planning these ideas, but I think that that's so important is to get multiple perspectives um, from people, like firsthand perspectives from people. I think that's so crucial. So thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) so you've started something called girls chronically rock for listeners who haven't heard of it can you give us your best like elevator pitch of it sure girls chronically rock is a clothing brand i started in 2017 to help inspire and motivate others in the disability community what i like to do is express my you know feelings and journey through my t-shirt line 
But as of right now, I am working on creating an adaptive swimwear clothing collection for people with disabilities. I am so excited about it. And I know some people may think, oh, swimwear, isn't that just seasonal? No, no, no. But people like myself in the disability community, I was going prior to pandemic, I was going to Spalding um, and aquatic therapy twice a week. Now, oh, wow. as you probably know, as an able-bodied person, as you know, just coming out from the swimsuit or beach, you know how that bathing suit just sticks to your body and just to take Oh, yeah. It's a hassle. So imagine for someone like myself with a disability, and I'm just trying to hold on for dear life, catching my balance, and also in a wheelchair. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it needs to be something more function, functionable, accessible, to make it more just easier to take on and off. And I think that would honestly encourage and motivate others to want to do aquatic therapy, just knowing that, okay, I have this easy, easy bathing suit I can take, put on, and to take off. So I'm so excited about that. I'm hoping to launch that swimwear collection by hopefully March, April of this year. Oh, that's so exciting. I already love your shirts. And I think that's something that I actually was not aware of at all. Um, I would consider myself pretty aware of most things, but I was not aware of adaptive fashion until one of my guests that I've had on recently, Alison Lang, made me aware of it. She has a prosthetic leg and I just didn't think of this, like as buttons being a problem on pads or swimwear. It's just something that you don't think of until it's brought to your attention. So I'm so glad that you're making people aware of that that's so crucial um and you're right designers now like tommy hill figures apples and target now have an adaptive clothing collection as well so i'm just hoping more and more brands you know become inclusive and you know create that adaptive line yeah no that's awesome and yeah i'm so glad to see more brands getting on board with this and i'm so glad that people like yourself are bringing this to the attention of uh you know able-bodied people uh because So important. I love that. Um, I also love your shirts. So why is, on a personal note for you, what is like your favorite one in your collection? You have so many great shirts. And I think that that, the swimwear is going to be such a great addition. But like, what's your current favorite? I'm sure my current favorite is, I would say... Hello, my name is Chronically Ill Badass. And I think that was everyone's favorite as well. Cause it's like, yes, we may have be chronically ill and have a disability, but we're badasses as well. We're dealing with this every day and we still got to get up and conquer the world. So I thought that was very powerful. The next one is that I recently launched um, last year, like around March with everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. I thought it was important to express it on a t-shirt. So I put Black Lives Matter and then also Black Disabled Lives Matter. And I thought a lot of people, a lot of customers really, really liked that. They thought it was a strong, powerful message. Because it's like, yes, you know, I am here as an African-American woman, but yes, I'm also have a disability. But I feel like I got two targets on my back. But I thought that was very important to express that on a t-shirt, Black Disabled Lives Matter. And that is still one of my favorite um, T-shirts to this day. So, yes, I definitely love that. But then I also like trust your dopeness. Because, like, you know, that comes from a saying, like, I always would say, trust your dopeness. Trust and believe in yourself. If you have something you want to accomplish, go for it. Trust your dopeness. So a lot of people have that as well. So I was those are my top three. Yeah, no, I love those ones. And they're so cute. Like, I just, um, I really think they're such a great, like, addition uh, to, like, the fashion world. So good for you. Like, I really love all those designs. So I, I'm glad to see that you're still expanding on to, like, adaptive fashion as well. But I guess in three years, you've really grown your brand. And I guess it's going on four years now. 
and you've been highlighted on some like really incredible sites and sources and your label is more a movement than a brand, which is really incredible. Uh, what is your next big goal that you have? I guess you mentioned your swimwear, but is there anything else kind of like on the horizon for you as a goal uh, with Girls Chronically Rock or, or separate from it? Um, sure. Well, yes, I recently opened a nonprofit. Um, so it's called the GCR Adaptive Project. I say it's kind of like a spin-off of Girls Chronically Rock. With the GCR okay. Adaptive Project, um, that is something I'm collaborating with with the university I graduated from, Framingham State University, where I'm working with the fashion design department and teaching them the importance of adaptive fashion and having them start creating adaptive fashion. Because I felt like, you know, in school, I didn't learn that. Again, this is something like, why would I have learned that or brought it up? Because I didn't know anything about adaptive fashion then. I didn't have a disability. I'm so excited about this project and this nonprofit because I'm hoping with this, I want to get other universities involved like that have fashion you know, departments like FIT, um, Mass Art out here in Boston, um, Parsons, and, you know, so many other schools, because I think it's so, so important to bring that awareness, you know, about adaptive fashion. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. So that is one thing I'm excited about. And then for Girls Chronically Rock, I am looking to, yes, launch the Adaptive Wear Spoonwear collection. I am hoping to, you know, I'll be selling it online, but then I'm also to also sell it hopefully maybe with Zappos, you know, because now Zappos has that adaptive clothing collection. I am hoping to get it into stores like Target, and then hopefully see it down the runway, like New York Fashion Week, LA Fashion Week. And I'm just looking to build my girls' chronically rock empire. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. Just like manifesting it, like putting it out into the universe. I yes, love it. I try. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's so exciting. And obviously, this has been developing for a couple of years, but you've continued obviously to grow and to continuously like add things to your collection. And I think that's so powerful uh, as a woman entrepreneur. So I'm just like really proud of you and like you're doing oh, such amazing you. I things. That. Yeah. 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 I love seeing women entrepreneurs, yes. like whatever yeah. industry it's in, of course I have a soft spot for fashion. So yes. I'll always be a little bit happier for fashion things, but, <laughs> right. um, but still happy for everyone. Um, so I guess that's the end of our like interview portion, but I always do a round of rapid fire questions at the end, which okay. is just like quick little fun questions um, to answer. So we will get started with those my first question for you is if you could hang with any five people like mm. dead or alive uh, famous or friends who would it be um of course Kimora Lisa Mintz I've been a fan of her since you know her baby fat stage um she's one designer I look up to next would be Betsy Johnson I love Betsy Johnson mm. her quirkiness her colorfulness I feel like sitting down with those two would be amazing next would be mm -hmm. Damon um he's from Shark Tank one of the judges oh um, I would say the fourth one would be, oh, fourth and fifth, I would say Michelle and Barack Obama. <laughs> I think that would be that a is amazing five. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just saw her, uh, Michelle on the inauguration yes, the other day. She I was gorgeous. like, oh, your outfit. Yes. 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 Always does. To send her one of my, oh, I was like, to see her in one of my T-shirts or something, that would be powerful. I'm like, that's my goal. Oh my God. Okay. You are like psychic today because my next question was who is someone you would dream to see in a girl's chronically rock shirt? Oh, so yes. is it Michelle Obama or is it I someone else? Michelle Obama, honestly. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny that you said that. So I just like love manifesting stuff and putting it out in the world. So I, I love just like 
putting it out there. Yes, I just hope that happens. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if you're like a big, I am for sure, a big show binger. But oh, if you are, yes. what show are you binging right now? Right now, I just finished a show called Your Honor. It comes on Showtime. And my cousin recommended that to me. And yes, I am a huge TV fanatic. I tell people I watch everything. My shows are what keeps me sane, honestly, especially when I have like a bad day. And just knowing I have a show to look forward to, that keeps me so excited. But yeah, I just oh, yeah. watching Your Honor. I did watch Bridgerton on Netflix. I thought it was okay. I didn't really see the big hype of what other people thought of. But yes, I am a TV fanatic. So yes, if you have any shows, please send them my way. <laughs> I will for sure. Yeah, I just I actually am looking forward to watching Your Honor. Uh, so I'm glad you watched that. Oh, and I, so you already knew about it. See, I never heard it till my cousin mentioned it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, I have heard of it from a couple people now. And, and I've been waiting to watch it until I finish a couple other things. But awesome. Bridgerton, I just, uh, you're right. I can't get on board with it. I tried. Yeah, see, and it's just, just not working for me. My sister feels the same way in a few other people. I'm like, I don't get it. But okay. Yeah, I I think it's like the time era. Like I'm not yes, really into that like whole thing. Like the crown, like that doesn't appeal to me at all. Like no, none of those shows too. really speak to me. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Yes. Um, what has been? Obviously, there's been a lot of negative outcomes of like you know 2020, COVID nineteen, the quarantine, all those things. But what has your favorite positive outcome out of the pandemic been? Um, honestly, I would say growing my business, Girls Chronically Rock. I feel like being at home, I've gotten more opportunities, like especially speaking engagements with different universities and things like that. So I kind of feel like that has been definitely helpful because I feel like if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have been able to go to these certain universities. So, you know, it's so crazy that people like myself in the disability community we've been wanting and wanting this change for so long to be able to work from home, do things from home. So it's like so crazy how the world shifted, you know, within an instance. And it's like, okay, this is what we've been asking for. So look how easy that was. But I would say I just got a lot more opportunities and I feel like that has helped, you know, bring awareness about my business. So I am grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Another thing that you mentioned, I didn't even think of that. So I think, you know, obviously lots of people want to work from home for a selfish matter, but you're right. Like I never even thought that, that would be so much easier yeah, um, for some people to work from home. So thank you for yes, making me more aware. Say, yeah, because I can't even say the company, but a company I worked for about um three years ago, you know, I specifically asked if I can get those accommodations to work from home. It was in the mm-hmm. retail field due to my disability. I was like, you know, my feet are getting exhausting. And they told me no, and they terminated me. So it's like just, and wow. I actually have an MCAD case going against them now. So I don't have, I can't say the name, but yes. For like, sure. So look at that. It's like, look at how, mm-hmm. you know, they told me no. And it's like, look at, I'm sure those same people now are working from home. Mm-hmm. So like, because there's no choice. And that's the thing too. Like all of these companies that said like, no, it's not possible. Like, well, you know what? Like you can make, <laughs> you can make a lot of things possible. So exactly. I think that's a great lesson from, yeah, a great lesson for so many things that like on a, a, a more generic scale that like, th- like nothing is really impossible. Like if we, if yeah. we really just all pull together, we can make a lot of crazy stuff happen when we have to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, my last question for you is what is your biggest pet peeve? I would say what is my biggest pet peeve? Um I don't like to see like hair strands like around my apartment, around food and things like that. I know that sounds oh. weird, but that's annoying. 
Yeah. Like, I know it's not my hair because my hair is totally shaved off. So. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that's not mine. Oh, like that, yes. I'm sure there's more, but that's the first thing that popped up in my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that is. That bothers me too. Yes. Oh, just thinking about that is making my skin crawl. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I haven't yeah. thought of that one before. Um, so it was such a pleasure to speak with you, Keisha. I'm so same glad here. that you could find the time to connect. Yeah, same Thank here. It was so a pleasure. Much. Thank you for having me. I'm Alia Ballas, and you have been listening to Can't Hang. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved today's show, please subscribe and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. Visit canhang.simplecast.com to check out all the incredible people I've interviewed and who's coming soon. Much love goes out to all those who have been posting about Can't Hang on social. Please tag me in your posts at Can't Hang Pod, and please continue to send me suggestions of who you'd love to see in future episodes. I have an incredible lineup, but I'm always looking for people outside my bubble. Please tune in next Thursday and hang with me and my next guest. This show is produced by me, Alia Ballas, and the music was created by Quan. Thank you.